Welcome to Strong Meat for Strong Believers. I'm Pastor Doug Johnson. I want to invite you to join me as we look at the issues facing us today and what God's Word says about them. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 says, Milk is for babies, but strong meat is for grown-ups who can discern the difference between good and evil. At the end of the broadcast, I'll tell you how you can get a copy of this message for yourself. And now, grab your Bible and get ready for another helping of Strong Meat for Strong Believers. And what is happening here is this. God told King Saul to go and destroy the Amalekites, their enemies. And King Saul decided he was going to do something different. He decided that he was going to go and destroy the army, but he was going to take King Agag hostage and then he was also going to take the best of their sheep and the best of their oxen, and he was going to keep all that for himself, and he was going to do his own plan according, against what God told him. And so in 1 Samuel 15, verse 16, we see that the prophet Samuel is coming to Saul to confront him. And verse 16 says, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said to him, Say on. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Wherefore didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, Yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Malachites. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed for sacrifice to the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Years ago, there was a young concert pianist who was performing for the first time in public. And as he began to play, the audience sat enthralled at the beautiful music that flowed from his fingertips. The people could hardly take their eyes off this young virtuoso. And as the final note faded, the audience burst into applause and everyone gave him a standing ovation. Everyone except one old man sitting right in the front. Well, the pianist saw that and he walked off the stage dejected. The stage manager praised the performance and he said, Look, everyone is giving you a standing ovation except for that one old man in the front. And the pianist said, I know, it was no good. I'm a failure. The manager said, what are you talking about? You're not a failure. Look, everybody loved it. He said, that one old man in the front is my piano teacher. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we all should have the desire for God's approval for us just as that piano player had for his teacher's approval of him. And I want to ask you this morning, who are you trying to please? That's the title of this message this morning. Who are you trying to please? Because our Lord's approving smile should be what should matter to us more than anything or anybody else's approval. In our story this morning, Israel wanted a king, and so they could become like everybody else because they wanted to please not God. They wanted to please everybody else. And God didn't want to give them a king. He wanted to be their king. But the people began complaining, and it got to the point where he chose, he decided to give them a king, and so he chose Saul 
to be the first king of Israel. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was taller, and he was standing there. And God, But God didn't choose him because of his height. He chose him because of his heart. And God anointed, king as, uh, anointed Saul to be king. And Saul was successful because God was with him. And it, in, it started off wanting to please the Lord. That was Saul's main motivation. He started off wanting to please God. But if you know the story of Saul... His story ends tragically when he commits suicide on the battlefield. How could someone so anointed and so blessed commit suicide? It all started when Saul wanted to please others instead of pleasing God. It all started when Saul wanted to please his own desires instead of wanting to please God. I want to tell you this morning that backsliding does not happen overnight. And it happens progressively over time. And that's exactly what happened with King Saul. And so again, I want to ask you this morning, who are you trying to please? I want to share with you this morning seven steps that Saul took away from God. And you might be here this morning and thinking, you know, Pastor, I've been saved 40, 50 years. God means more to me than he meant the day I got saved. That's wonderful. But I want to tell you something. If King Saul, who was chosen by God, who had anointed, who was full of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says when God anointed him, the Spirit came on him and he began to prophesy. This man started off with the anointing of God in his life life. He started off with the blessing and favor of God in his life and he ended up dying on the battlefield taking his own life. If that could happen to Saul, brothers and sisters, I believe that God put his story in the Bible for us to learn and be watchful and be vigilant over our own lives as well. And I want to share with you seven steps that Saul took away from God. And if we're not careful, we can see some of these things slipping into our own lives if we're not careful. The first step that he took away from from God was disobedience. Look down at verse 11 of this same chapter. Verse 11, God told Samuel, It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night long. God told Saul to utterly destroy the Malachites, including their livestock, because they stood against Israel when they came in the promised land. But Saul decided to take King Agag captive for himself and to take the best for himself. And so the prophet Samuel came and confronted Saul, and he said, Does God want sacrifices more than your obedience? No. Obedience is always better than any sacrifice we can give to God. My friends, more than anything you can give to God, God wants your obedience. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is it that God is telling you to do that you still haven't done yet? Because you see, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot have it your way and God's way. It doesn't work like that. Just like you can't have a blessed marriage if you're committing adultery. You can't have it your way and have it blessed too. It doesn't work that way. Just like you can't steal a copy of the Passion of the Christ DVD and give it to a friend and hope they get saved by watching it. It don't work that way. You can't go the right, you can't get the right destination going the wrong direction. And that's what Saul did. He wanted to get the right destination, but he was going the wrong direction, even though God gave him direction. And God wants obedience more than anything else. And so, what is it that God is telling you to do today? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, once said, and I quote, 
One act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. One act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. I'm convinced that what what the church needs today is not more sermons, but more obedience to God. That's what God's looking for. That's what we were praying for around this altar this morning. God, open up the heavens. We want to see you, but what good is seeing God if you're going to forget about him when you leave the building? If you're not going to obey him during the week, what God is? God's not going to show you his glory if you're not going to do anything with it. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Each one of us must ask ourselves, am I trying to please myself or God? Am I trying to please people or am I trying to please God? Because you cannot please God if you don't obey him. And Paul said, I'm not trying to please men. I want to please God. And my friends, God wants our obedience. The second step that Saul took away from God was lying. He started lying. Look at verse 13 of our text. Verse 13. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And the funny thing is, while he is telling Samuel, I obeyed the Lord, in the background, Samuel's hearing, bah, I obeyed the Lord. I destroyed everything just like God told me. And Samuel asked him, well, then why do I hear the sound of sheep and oxen in the background? Why am I hearing this? And then verse 15, verse 15, Saul says, they have brought them from the Amalekites. Look, he's blaming the people. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord their God, and the rest We have utterly destroyed. One lie leads to another. You see that? He first said, I obey the Lord. Then when Samuel asked him about the sheep and the the cows, he said, oh, the the people took it because they want to sacrifice to the Lord. Now I want to remind you that God chose Saul because of his humility, because he humbled himself in the beginning. In verse 17, Samuel even told him, when you were little in your own sight, in other words, when you were humble, Were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you king over Israel? How could someone who started out humble, how could someone who started out favored by God, how could someone who who started out made king over Israel now be disobeying God and lying to a prophet of God? How do you get from that point to the other point, from one extreme to the other? I'll tell you why. Because sin moves slowly. It's, it's like a snake. It slivers in. It slivers, it's, it slithers its way into our life. You know, Satan doesn't have to get you today. He just wants to get you in the end. And one thing I'll say about Satan, he is patient. And he will wait you out. And he will wait until you are weak. And he will hit you at your weakest point. And he knows, how, he knows what, your, what buttons to push. He knows what people who get on your nerves. Satan is going to hit you when you're weak or where you are curious or where you are inconsistent in your spiritual life. Satan will play you like a video game one level at a time. And it don't matter if it's pride, if it's disobedience, if it's lying, if it's addictions, if it's alcoholism, if it's cheating, stealing. Every one of those starts out at level one. 
And when you start out at level one, it's not that bad. It don't seem that bad. You think it'll never happen to me. Oh, but the devil's a liar. I said the devil's a liar because level one soon goes to level two. And before you know it, it's almost game over and you're hooked and you can't get loose by your own. And that's what Satan will tell you. It's not going to happen to you, but he's a liar. Jesus said in John 8, 44, Satan was a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. My friend, if you've got a bad habit of lying, you need to stop it right now. Because that was one of the things that led Saul down the the wrong path. When you lie, you're talking just like the devil because he is the father of all lies. And I want to tell you this morning, if Satan is playing you like a video game one level at a time, listen to me. God can give you the cheat code. It is J-E-S-U-S. It'll give you unlimited life, unlimited health, and a power up from the Holy Ghost like you ain't never seen before. Give God praise and live. give up your lying tongue. The third step away from God that Saul took was denial. Denial. In verse 20 of our text, Saul said to Samuel, Yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Have you ever noticed that when someone gets caught doing wrong, they'll often deny it? They'll deny it. That's what Saul's doing here. Saul denied disobeying God. You know, it's hard to convince people who are in denial of their sin. But godly people accept responsibility for their actions. People who really want to please God will say, I have sinned. I'm sorry. That's what Saul should have said when Samuel confronted him. Because when God confronts us, it is not to make you feel guilty or condemn you. It is an opportunity to repent and make it right and start pleasing God again. That's what it is. You know, Saul may have had good intentions when he wanted to present the burnt offerings to the Lord. But Samuel said, God would rather have your obedience than the biggest offering you can give him. Can I tell you something? God don't want you to give him $20,000. He wants you to obey him. He wants you to cross the street and witness to your neighbor like he's been telling you. He wants you to witness to that coworker. He wants you to, to do what he's been telling you to do. And if he tells you to give $20,000, he wants you to obey too. Whatever he tells you. But I want to tell you this morning, it's not about money. It is about obedience. Because Jesus was watching people give their offering one day, and there was a little widow woman who had two mites to her name. That's all she had. And when she put it in there, all of a sudden, Jesus stood up. He said, did you see that to his disciples? Did you see that? She put in more than them all. And it was two mites. Less than two American pennies. And he said she gave more than everybody combined. You know why? Because it ain't about money. It's about obedience. This widow gave what, le- what she had left in obedience to God. And I believe she went home and there was a blessing waiting on her front door. Why? Because my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God wants obedience. May I remind you that it was disobedience that got Jonah swallowed by a whale. It was disobedience that got Balaam almost killed by an angel till his donkey talked some sense into him. 
It was disobedience that caused Adam and Eve to be expelled from the Garden of Eden and death came into the world. You want to know why people die? You want to know why innocent children die? It's because the wages of sin is death. It's because people are still sinning and it's because we need Jesus and we need to quit living in denial and say, Lord, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of repentance. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God said, when my people stop sinning, quit living in denial, church. We need to own up to the things we've done. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, God. He said, then I'll heal your land. God's not waiting for the White House to straighten out. He's waiting for the church house to straighten up. And to this day, denial is the biggest reason why people don't get their Edens and why they don't march into the promised land. Sacrifice is a feeble attempt to take away sin which would have been prevented by simple obedience. Let me give you some advice. If God ever asks you, did you do it? Say yes and repent right there. Don't deny it. The fourth step away from God that Saul took was rebellion. Look at verses 23 and 24. Samuel said, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idol worship. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. There is Saul's own admission. I wanted to please the people. I wanted to please the people. Who are you trying to please today? Samuel said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Can I tell you something? You don't have to have an altar built in your backyard to the devil to be guilty of witchcraft. You don't have to go down and, and, and buy something from the magic store, the witchcraft store in town or wherever, online or whatever, and, 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 and be accused of witchcraft. My friend, if you are rebelling against God, if God has told you to do something and you haven't done it, you've disobeyed, you're lying about it, you're, you're in denial, and, and you are rebelling against God, it is witchcraft. And here's the reason why. Rebellion is not an accident. Rebellion doesn't happen by coincidence. It doesn't just happen. It is an act of will. Saul, in defiance, rebelled against what God said. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, that witchcraft is a work of the flesh. It is not a spirit. It is a work of the flesh, which means it is a choice that people make. And he said, they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if it was a spirit, you could cast it out and be done with it. But it is a work of the flesh. Rebellion is an act of the will. People live in defiance against God. And I want to tell you something. People who rebel against God will also rebel against those in authority over them. They'll rebel against the pastor. They'll rebel against the ministry leader. They'll rebel against the boss at work. They will rebel. And rebellion is sin, and it will also lead to stubbornness. Samuel said stubbornness, in verse 23, is the same as worshiping idols. If you're stubborn against God, you might as well just build you an idol and start worshiping that because you have become your God in your life. You're not willing to listen to anything that God says because you think you know what's right. 
And then it will also lead to fornication, adultery. And in Romans chapter 1, it tells us that rebellion against God leads to homosexuality. You know why homosexuality is running rampant in America? It's because America is turning its back on God, living in rebellion against God, and God will turn them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are unseemly, Paul said. It all is rooted in rebellion. Nothing is so provoking to God as rebellion, setting up our will against his. And that's exactly what Saul was doing. In fact, if you know Saul's story later on, he actually went to the witch of Endor against God's command to try and conduct a seance. This is how far away from God this man went. A man who at one time was anointed, filled with the Holy Ghost, king of Israel, humble before God. Now he's in witchcraft. We must be willing to die to our flesh and follow God every day. Romans 5.19 For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Christ died to forgive our rebellion and set us free. My friend, if you're living in rebellion against God, repent today. Ask him to forgive you and he will. Number five, the fifth step that Saul took away from God was unrepentance. Verse 25 now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the king of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours that is better than you. Saul would not repent because he was in denial. And in these verses we just read, he asked Samuel to forgive his sin instead of God. My friend, you can confess to somebody, you can confess to a priest, but you're still not forgiven. You've got to confess your sin to Jesus Christ. He is the only one with the power to forgive and set us free. And God had already chosen David to be the next king because David knew how to repent. Yes, David was not perfect, and he did sin, but when he sinned, he came back and confessed it. He said, Lord, I have sinned against you, and you alone have I sinned. Forgive me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. David knew how to repent. Saul refused to. Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this text, said this, and I quote, They are unfit and unworthy to rule over men who are not willing that God should rule over them. My friend, if you're not willing for God to rule over you, you're not fit to rule over people. And that was exactly why God turned his back on Saul. When God convicts us, he's giving us grace to repent. You know, when a shepherd has a wayward sheep that puts itself in danger continually and leads other sheep astray with it, a good shepherd will break the leg of that sheep to keep it from wandering off and, and killing itself or wandering off a cliff. And what will happen is that shepherd will then start carrying that sheep everywhere he goes. He will take care of it. And when that sheep's leg is healed, that, le that sheep will become the model sheep of his entire flock. Why? Because it would have learned obedience through its sufferings. How many of you understand that we have a good shepherd named Jesus? And if we keep wandering off the path and leading other people way astray with us, he will cause something to come our way to stop us, to protect us, and to protect other people from being led astray. We've got a good shepherd. If he has to break your leg, he'll do it, but he'll heal it, and you'll be better off for it. Can I have an amen? Anybody been whipped by the Lord lately? He does it because he loves you. 
Now you would think that Saul, hearing that God had taken the kingdom from him, would cause him to repent, but it didn't. It didn't. In fact, he had reached the same point as the people will be in the tribulation period, being judged by God, yet refusing to repent. The book of Revelation tells us in Revelation 16, 9, and men will be scorched with great heat and blaspheme the name of God, which has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. God could stop what happened to the tribulation period if people would repent. But instead of repenting, they get to the place like Saul was, and all they want to do is please themselves or please other people and not please God, and they refuse to repent. Brothers and sisters, keep your heart open toward God, and when you sin, repent of it, or else you'll have to learn the hard way. And you don't want to go down that road. The sixth step that Saul took away from God was his ego. Egotism. Look at verse 30. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. And turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Now this is Saul's ego speaking. Saul tells Samuel, honor me before the elders. And then I will worship the Lord thy God. Notice he did not say the Lord my God. He said, honor me before the elders and the people. Turn with me, and then I will worship the Lord thy God. He was worried about what the people would think. If Samuel walked away from King Saul, because everybody saw what was going on. If Samuel walked away and didn't lead them in worship, oh, what would everybody think? i got to please the people. So he says, Samuel, turn with me turn with me, and just, just honor me in front of the people. And then I will worship the Lord, the Lord your God. You see, friends, that was his ego. He wanted to give the impression that everything was fine. Brothers and sisters, that's why worship leaders and singers and musicians are not on the platform for a show. And when we come and worship God as people of God, it's not about us. They said that this morning. It's about the Lord. Who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please people? Or do you want to please the Lord? Because you need to come ready to worship God with all your heart because If your heart's not in it, God don't want it. It don't matter if you sing the latest song or if you sing Amazing Grace. If your heart ain't in it, if you're not in it to please the Lord, it is a stink in the nostrils of God, and he don't want to hear it. He don't want to be in the presence of it. He'll leave as long as you're in it, and then when you get done, he might come back. Brothers and sisters, don't let your ego get the best of you. Matthew 15, 8 and 9, Jesus said, this people draws near to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and they worship me in vain. Too many so-called believers are denying God with their actions. They're letting their ego get the best of them. Instead of being righteous, they are right-ish, which leads to being selfish and sluggish and foolish and childish. There's a lot of spiritual immaturity going on right now. They want God to give them lavish lifestyles without any sacrifice for him. So when God looks down, he sees a bunch of Ishmaels instead of Isaacs. Don't be an Ish. 
don't be issue. You're either with God or you're not. You're either in it 100% or you're not. 99% will not do, my friend. You see, the thing about being lukewarm is people, these are people who were used to be on fire for God. Then they've cooled down one degree at a time. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in a week. It cools down one degree at a time. And my friend, you can't keep denying Jesus because sometime there will come a time when Jesus will be ashamed of you before his Father in heaven. My friend, don't let your ego get the best of you. Don't lose your soul because your pride is worth more than what you think. Swallow your pride. Repent and say, God, I want to please you. I don't care about anybody else. It ain't about what the people think. It's about what you think about me. If Saul had said that, I believe it would have had a turnaround in his life. But he didn't do it. And the seventh and final step, we already know this one. We've talked about it already. Is when he committed suicide. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 10.4, Then said Saul to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not do it, for he was sore afraid. So Saul took a sword and fell on it. Saul's last battle would not have ended with suicide if he had obeyed God the first time. If he'd obeyed God with the Amalekites and King Agad, Saul was king, but he died like a dog on a battlefield because he refused to change and take responsibility for his actions. He refused to kill King, wicked King Agag. Now, you might be thinking, well, maybe he did that because he was a pacifist, because he believed in peace, because he didn't believe in the death penalty. No, that's not what it is. He just didn't kill King Agag because of sin. Because if you read the Bible in 1 Samuel 22, Saul kills all the priests of God. And later on, he tries to kill David several times, his son-in-law. Saul had no problem with killing people. It's just he didn't want to kill King Agag. He wanted to trot him out as a trophy. Look what I did. Look who I captured because he wanted to please the people more than please the God. But my friend, there's only one opinion that matters, and it is the opinion of Jesus Christ. It wasn't the enemy that killed Saul. Saul killed himself long before he ever fell on the sword. He was dead long before that because he killed himself spiritually, and that's what I'm talking about. That's why God gave me this message this morning. What are you doing that's killing you today? Who are you trying to please? Now, Satan would try to stop this message. He would try to stop you from listening to this message. He would try to make you think that somebody else needs this message. He would want you to leave your agag alive and end up killing yourself. That's what the devil wants. Oh, but the devil's a liar. Jesus, he wants the message to be preached. He wants his spirit to bring conviction. And he wants to allow you to repent before it's too late. And my friend, if you've been disobedient to God, if you've been lying, if you've been living in denial, if you're rebelling, against God or against the people in authority over you, if you're unrepentant, if you are proud, listen to me. These things are killing you. You refuse to obey God one too many times. And if you're not careful, you could end up killing yourself or sending your soul to hell. And I want to tell you something. Whoever you're trying to please, they ain't worth going to hell for. Whatever it is, 
that is your God in your life, it ain't worth going to hell for. There is only one person worth willing to please, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh, Pastor Doug, I hear what you're saying, but I'm a good person. By whose standards? You see, we think we're good people because we judge ourselves. You know what that is? That's ego. And pride is sin. You might be a good person compared to other people, but we're not trying to please them. We're trying to please God. And here's what God says. God said, there is none righteous. No, not one. Not, not the Pope, not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa. Every single person has sinned, and so therefore there are no good people. There are no sinless people. We all need Jesus. And my friend, it's not about being a good person. It's about being obedient and pleasing the Lord. This has been Strong Meat for Strong Believers. If this broadcast was a blessing to you, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at revivalfire29 at yahoo.com or call me at 964-5333 and visit Raven Assembly of God's website at ravenag.org and find out more information about our church. This is Pastor Doug Johnson reminding you to keep your head up. God is on your side. And join me next time for more Strong Meat for Strong Believers.